Hi everyone, Pastor Ryan here with Grace Church. So glad you could join us this morning. Uh, hey, if you are in the church building, welcome. If you are in attending church at a home church, uh, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you're watching at home with your family, welcome. If you're watching on your own somewhere, uh, wherever you may be, welcome. And if you are, uh, if, you're, if you're tuning in from some other random country uh, around the world, uh, whoever you are, we're so glad you chose to join, cho chose to uh, join us uh, this morning. Today, I'm asking the question: How do I keep it together? It's the same question I asked last week, and the reason why, well, we're we're just continuing on in a mini, mini series uh, here. Again, asking the question: How do I keep it together? Uh, in a time where we're, where people are crazy, uh, not well, we're in a crazy time and people are stressed out, I think we need a message of hope and wisdom in the midst of despair that so many of us are experiencing uh, in our lives and in our world today. And uh, just, uh, I would encourage you to go back if, if you missed it and check out last week's message entitled again, How Do I Keep It Together?, where I shared four points how to do that. But just in case you didn't hear that, just to quickly summarize where we left off, we started last week. Uh, with me asking a few stressful questions that many of us are asking. Um, am I going to get the COVID? Am I going to die? Do I still have work? Uh, what are my kids going to do? Are they going to go to school? Who's going who's to watch the kids? Uh, uh, can my family, can my marriage, can whatever relationship I'm in withstand all the stresses that I'm going through? And uh, with that, we, uh, we said, does the Bible have anything, any practical wisdom with the stress and the despair that I might be feeling right now? And we pointed to a man by the name of Solomon, King Solomon, who lived uh, 3,000 years ago, an ancient king who was said to be the most wisest man who had ever lived. And a lot of his, uh, some of his writings can be found in a book called Proverbs, which we landed in last week. And Proverbs are primarily made up, primarily made up of short, pithy, meaningful uh, statements that are filled with moral truth. And uh, especially in the original language, it would have been uh, shared in a very artistic way, and there would have been word plays and uh, memorable statements with alliteration and rhyming. And so today I'm going to pull just two verses from chapter uh, 12 of Proverbs chapter 12, uh, which is going to uh, bring about two points that I've uh, uh, put together for today's message. And to answer that question, to continue to answer that question, how do I keep it together? And in the spirit of what Solomon was trying to do, I'm going to try to alliterate and try to rhyme uh, some of my points, but well, hey, we'll see how that goes. And so today, uh, again, how do I keep it together? Two points for today. The first point is this, uh, choose diligence over distraction. You see the, the D and the D and the DI anyways. Uh, <laughs> choose diligence over distraction. Uh, this comes from verse 12, verse 11. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 11, which says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Now, the first part of this proverb seems to be pretty straightforward. You don't have to go too deep to understand what Solomon's talking about. Simply said, uh, if you work hard, if you're diligent, if you're focused, it's going to bring abundance and prosperity in your life. The second verse is somewhat straightforward, but when I read that second part, the, uh, those who chase fantasies, it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of understand what he, what he meant by that. And so whenever you struggle with understanding for sure what he meant, it's always helpful to read other translations. And if you have another, maybe a commentary on hand, to check that out too. Uh, 
And so some other translations will, will say it this way. Those who, they will replace the word fantasies, and they might say it this way. Those who chase vain things, or empty things, or worthless pursuits, or people who play around and waste their time, or following vain people. Uh, uh, basically, uh, just wasting your time following empty things or vain things. And I've kind of summarized all those things by using the word uh, distraction. And so that's kind of what I'm meaning when I'm re- referring to distraction or distractions or distracting. <laughs> uh, uh, getting d- distracted with whatever God has for you. And so uh, one thing I want to clarify is that God is not against play. He invented play. He, created, he invented joy. He created fun. Of course, he's not against play. And of course, he's not against dreaming. God gives us all sorts of dreams. He gives us uh, oftentimes some goals and aspirations to strive for. So that's not, what the, the, that's not what Solomon is getting at. He's talking about just empty, vain fantasies that get you nowhere, which I'm summarizing here as uh, distractions in life. It's interesting, if you were to go to Matthew uh, 13, where, par- where Jesus talks about the parable of the four seeds, uh, he references one seed that uh, took root and started to grow, didn't make it because, in my words, uh, they were lured, they were distracted with the things of this world. Uh, you, you can check it out for yourself later. But there's a few things I want to say about this uh, point. And I actually want to start with something that's very, very simple and practical. That's always a good place to start. And, you know, I, I've, I've been told that the greatest superpower in this generation is, uh, the next greatest superpower is going to be the superpower of undistractability. Undistractability. Man, we have uh, so much information just at, the, just at our fingertips. You just go on the computer, you go on the internet, and there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much resources. There's so many opinions. There's so much ways you can entertain yourself. And, and if you don't uh, take control of what uh, media you're watching, the media will control you. Uh, that's maybe another message for another day. But you know, another thing in our world that is, I find very distraction, distracting is this uh, wonderful device that I have in my hands here. And uh, this, if you allow it, it connects you, it pretty much can connect you to every, any person in the world and everything that's going on in the world all at once. And so one of the things I do in my life to make sure that this is not distracting me is I turn off all my uh, notifications on all my apps. So this thing is not constantly dinging in my ear and distracting me. One practical thing for me in my life, I believe that God has called me to be a pastor. And one of the things that a pastor does is he, well, he does this, he creates sermons and uh, he has to prepare sermons. And so one of the things that I do when I'm preparing my messages is I have this fancy button here. It's my favorite button. It's called the do not disturb button. It's right there. And in fact, oh, it's off. But now it's on, so if you're going to try to call me or text me right now, I'm not going to hear it, because I'm preaching. There goes the phone. <laughs> and uh, don't be afraid, whatever it is that, that God is calling you to do, to just turn off your phone, turn off all your devices, and focus in on what God has uh, called you to do. Don't get distracted with uh, various things. But let's keep moving here. Let me move on, move on to something else. Uh, be diligent. 
There's a few examples of people that are being diligent with what God has called them to do, and a few examples I want to talk about, a couple examples of people who have been diligent with what God has called them to do. And the first person I want to talk about is my wife. She's in full-time school to become an RN, a nurse. And of course, she's married, she's got four kids, and uh, the program she's in is very intense, and so it's been a challenge for us to juggle everything, but we're, but we're doing it. And, uh, you know, she is, she is diligent. She is laser focused on making sure she not only attends classes and she just, she passes, but she does it well. She is so laser focused. There are some times where she'll lock herself in the upstairs, one of the upstairs rooms. She'll close the door and she'll put the headphones on and the kids know, do not come upstairs and, uh, and mess with mommy. Don't distract her. And, uh, you know, and I want to say this as well. Um, I may have already said it, but she, she, clearly feels that this is something that God has called her to, that she's put the, God has put this desire on her heart to, to do this, and she's, she's obeying what she feels the Lord is calling her to do. And so, babe, if you're watching, uh, I just want to say we're proud of you. Uh, thank you for being diligent with what God has called you to do. It's going to bring blessing not only to her family, but those who you serve in the future. Another person that comes to mind is someone in our church who I don't want to say his name because I'm afraid I might misrepresent him, but you know who you are. Uh, There's another person in our congregation who uh, has felt called by God to work with cow poo. Uh, That's right, you heard me correctly, to work with cow poo. And uh, he's been uh, working away at this for, I think he told me the other week when I was talking to him, for about 10 years, he's been sacrificing and putting things aside and working towards this goal, this dream, this ambition that he feels that God gave him. And what he's hoping to do with his cow poo is, is to uh, turn cow poo into fertilizer, into food, into alternate sources of energy. And now, after so many years, maybe a decade, he's finally getting the funding that he needs from various sources to go through with this project and this endeavor. So you know who you are. We're proud of you for being diligent, uh, for uh, being diligent for what you believe God has called you to do. Another person that comes to mind in scripture is a man by the name of Noah. His story can be found in Genesis at the end of chapter five and the chapters that follow. And uh, scripture describes that uh, God was looking at the earth and he saw that everything was wicked and uh, people were depraved, and um, things were just just evil, and he just couldn't take it anymore. But he saw when he looked at Noah that Noah was an, a blameless and upright and righteous man, and so he warned Noah. He said, "Listen, a flood's going to come, and I'm going to wipe everything out—all people, all animals. But if you were to, if you build this ark, which I want you to do, uh, I'm going to save you and your family and the animals." And he gave Noah some instructions. I want it to be 450 feet long and yay high, and yay wide, and um, there's a really interesting verse. After God gives Noah this command, it just simply says at the end of God's command that simply Noah did exactly as God had commanded. It's a short verse, but it's very meaningful. Now, some people uh, have different estimations as to how long it would have taken Noah to build that ark, and I have no idea how long it would have taken. Some estimate up to 75 years it would have taken Noah to build this ark, while others might suggest a much shorter time, maybe a few years. But whatever the case, it would have taken a long time. And during that time, there would have been plenty of opportunity to get distracted. What if I don't have enough money? What do my neighbors think about me? I'm, I'm probably the, 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 the nut bar talk of the town. People probably just think I'm nuts. People were probably laughing at Noah, mocking him for his belief, this this, uh, this, this project that God gave him 
mocking him for the fact that maybe they didn't believe the flood was coming, but it did come. And as a, as a result of Noah being diligent with what God called him, told him to do, he was able to not only save his family, but save uh, the animals that came on his vessel and also uh, to, to, to ensure that the human race would continue. So good on Noah for being diligent with what the Lord called him to do. And of course, the greatest example of diligence is Christ himself. Christ was uh, diligent in his relationship with God. He was diligent in prayer. He knew the scriptures. And he was also diligent and laser-focused with the mission that God the Father gave Jesus. And you know, there's a really interesting story. It's the same story I brought up last week, but from a different perspective. Last week, I told you the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew uh, feeding thousands of people. And then after he fed thousands of people, he went on and uh, prayed. And uh, then he uh, walked on water to visit his disciples when they were in the middle of this raging storm in the middle of the lake. That's Matthew's account. John's account is very similar, but he includes a really interesting detail right in, right in the middle of those two stories. And his, that, his account of that event can be found in John chapter 6. And after, and according to John, in in John chapter 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000 and after he performs just incredible miracles, the people realize that that Jesus is the prophet they had been waiting for. And it says that the people wanted to take Jesus by force to become their king. And how does Jesus respond? Does he get excited? Does Does he say, oh boy, I get to become king? No, once he discovers that, he immediately flees. He flees and he, and he goes and he prays with the Lord because he realized that becoming the king of Israel at that time and in that way was not part of God's mission. Some might argue and push back and say, yeah, but Jesus could have done some amazing things, some good things if he were to become king of Israel. But even, even good things, if it's not God's mission, if it's not God's plan for you, you need to get rid of those distractions. And so Jesus was absolutely laser-focused on the mission. Now, what was the mission? The mission was for Jesus uh, to, to come to reconcile people to himself, to die on the cross for our sins, to rise again to prove that he could conquer sin and death, and, and, and so that uh, everything that sin took away from us, everything that sin destroyed, Jesus would one day restore in, in full. And so that was the mission that uh, God the Father gave to the Son, and it was laser-focused. And we're so, we're so grateful as, uh, for, for Jesus for being laser-focused because that, as a result, it blessed all of humanity and all who put their faith in him. So, as we talk about diligence, uh, when you look at your own life, are you diligent or are you distracted? Are you diligent or are you distracted? Uh, what distraction uh, is consuming your thought life right now? Uh, what, uh, what is it that's, that's, just, that's just consuming you? It, let me ask you this. It, whatever it is, is it getting you anywhere? Is it helping you? Let me ask arguably a more important question. Is it helping anyone else? The thing, whatever it is that's consuming you and distracting you. Let me ask you a different question. Uh, wh- what is it that God is calling you to be diligent with in your life? It looks a little bit different for, for everybody in some ways, but what is God asking you to be diligent with? And that, that is arguably a, 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 even a more important question. Because if you don't know 
what God is calling you to be diligent with, you're going to be like, like a dog in the middle of a squirrel park, a park full of squirrels, and you're just going to be darting from one end to the other, just being distracted with everything that happens in this life. Whoa, look what Trump said. Whoa, look what the Kardashians are doing. Whoa, COVID, COVID, COVID. Whoa. And you're just going to be like a, like a dog chasing squirrels, and, and you're going to be just, just consumed with the distractions of this life. So what is it that God is calling you to be diligent with? It's an important question that we need to ask ourselves. What is it? Is God calling you to become a nurse? If he is, be diligent with it. Is God calling you to work with cow poo? If it is, be diligent with it. Is God calling you to some business adventure? If so, be diligent Is he calling you to work on some family dynamic or family relationship or family issue in your life right now? If so, be diligent with it. Uh, Is he calling you to a leadership role in the community? If so, be diligent with it. Interestingly, Paul said in Romans 12, 8, when he's talking about leadership in the church, he told leaders to be what? To be diligent. You can check it out for yourself depending on your translation. Uh, Whatever it is that God is calling you to, be diligent, be focused. You might be thinking right now, okay, Pastor Ryan, that's nice, but I don't really know what God is calling me to be diligent with. And so that leads me to my first challenge today. If you're not sure, if you're uncertain what God might have for you, I want to challenge you to talk to someone, to talk, talk to a trusted, mature believer, and pray with them. Uh, if, if you just simply ask God, he will guide you, he will direct you. And so take time this week to discern uh, what God is calling you to be diligent with. It could be a, something as simple as a task for the week or a calling that might last a lifetime. Um, pray about it. Pray about it with someone who you trust and appreciate. But we don't just stop there. It's not just, when we talk about diligence, we don't just talk about diligence in, in the tasks that God gives us, but also diligence in our relationship with him. It goes hand in hand. In fact, you can't, you can't have one without the other. And so as we talk about diligence, it's important for us to be diligent in our walk with God, that we are uh, praying with him, that we are in a growing relationship with him, that we are studying scripture and uh, being obedient to scripture and and being obedient to what he's calling us to. And I want to throw out an, an especially important challenge, especially in this time. Man, we are so tempted in the, in the midst of this crisis to do the Christian life alone. And, and we, we're segregating ourselves and we're isolating ourselves. And I understand and I have sympathy for maybe a short-term amount of time in the midst of a pandemic, but it's gone on for, it's going on for so long and it's, I don't get the sense it's going to slow down at all. Listen, you, you and I were not meant, we were not designed to do the Christian life alone. And in fact, scriptures tell us to be diligent in meeting together. Uh, it's the, 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 I can't think of the reference right now, but it's in Hebrews where it says, don't give up meeting together. Don't give up. In other words, be diligent in meeting together because that is crucial when it comes to being diligent in your walk with God. And so I just, the second challenge I want to throw out today is this. Uh, for those of you, especially who are COVID cautious or COVID conscious, that, um, that you would figure out a way, some way, shape, or form to meet with the body of Christ. Even if it means... Um, maybe connecting with one other family with yours and staying within a smaller bubble. Do something, do something to connect with others. You can't do it alone, whether it's coming to home church or campus church or creating your own little smaller, small group or bubble. Do something to connect with the body of 
Christ. Okay, let's move on to our second point now, and how do, how do I keep it together? I want to read the verse first, and then my point second this time. And so this verse is Proverbs twelve sixteen. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. And so, again, in the spirit of uh, rhyming and alliteration, here's my second point. In the midst of an insult, remember this. Remember this statement. Fools display the wise delay. Fools display the wise delay. And so, in other words, fools, when, uh, when they are insulted or criticized, they freak out. They fly off the handle. They, they show their true colors. They, they might respond with, with rage or annoyance or whatever, and they just don't be, give people the time of the day. Well, how does a wise person respond? Uh, a wise person might overlook uh, or, or give grace to someone. They might be patient. They respond with self-control. They might respond with silence. They might respond softly gently, with understanding. Which one are you? You know, we live in a time where, again, we live in a crazy time. People are angry. People are pointing fingers. And quite naturally, what's going to happen is that's going to result in people getting angry and an insult is going to come and criticism is going to come. And so when that comes and when it comes your way, how do, how do you respond? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you vent? Do you, do you lose it? Do you fly off the handle? Or do you respond with patience and self-control and generosity and graciousness? I was listening to a retired pastor uh, the other day on a podcast, and he was a retired pastor. I believe, he was, I believe he was 85 years old, and he was asked to comment on how to deal with criticism. And he had some very valuable things to say. Uh, one of the things that I remember him saying is that when someone brings a criticism to you, even if it seems way off, um, always try to find the grain of truth that may be embedded in that criticism or even insult. Because if you don't do that, you might lose something of, of, of extreme value that might actually benefit yourself and actually benefit those you might be ministering to. And whether you're a pastor or anyone else in the world, uh, whatever industry or whatever you are in, in the world, that same advice applies to anyone. Uh, try to find the, the grain of truth when someone criticizes you or challenges you in some way because it's going to benefit you and others. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, when, when someone brings in a criticism or a challenge or an insult to you, uh, perhaps it's good to think through in advance what you might say if you're in an uncomfortable situation. Perhaps some phrases you could use are, oh, let me think on that for a little bit, or let me give you some time to mull it over. Another appropriate response is to say nothing at all. <laughs> Perhaps you could also ask, oh, um, could you please clarify this one item for me, and just let them, let them talk. A wise person will also, I think what they'll also do is, in, in situations where maybe the approach or the tone or the way something expressed is not ideal, they'll overlook that. They'll realize, okay, maybe they're just venting, they're angry, but let me, just, let me zero in on, on the content of what they're saying. And, and a wise person will be able to, to glean the truth, even in the midst of something that's maybe not um, shared in the right way. You know, uh, 
the the other day, uh, not the other day, about about five uh, about five years ago, I remember a situation where someone from our congregation, a wonderful wonderful person, came uh, from our congregation with 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 good intentions, uh, with some good conversation points, came to the board, um, uh, and I won't share that too many details, but they came to an, an elder meeting or had requested a meeting with the elders at the time, and. Um, Although it was a very friendly person, a friendly environment, there was a bit of a, a, a jab toward the elders, a bit of a challenge towards the elders. And there was a bit of a expectation, it felt, of this person to have a very quick and um, conclusive uh, response right here and right now. And in that moment, I'll tell you how the elders responded, and I'll tell you it word for word. This is how they responded. They said nothing. <laughs> and I'm saying this as a positive example. In situations where you're kind of forced into a corner or you're challenged, sometimes it's wise to just say nothing. Think through a response. Quite often in elder rooms, uh, in the elder room, as I'm talking with the elders, uh, quite often there is silence as we, we share opinions and different ideas on things, and that's actually a healthy thing. Uh, that's actually, I think it's wisdom. And so, again, the reason I say that is silence is often a reasonable uh, solution when you don't know how to respond. And by the way, I think in that scenario, I eventually, uh, I think I eventually broke the silence and got the conversation going um, again. Uh, but yeah. Now, how do I balance this point out? Now, sometimes there are situations where there are insults that come your way that are just totally unwarranted. There's absolutely no truth in them. There's absolutely nothing you can learn from them. What, what do you do? What do you do when someone just curses you or insults you with, and there's no merit to it, and there's nothing, there's no depth to it, there's nothing to it? Well, I think at the end of the day, uh, in those situations, you have to find your confidence in what you know to be true, and, uh, and what you know how God sees you. Your confidence needs to be in the Lord. I'll just give you an example. Of course, you go back to Christ. Jesus, uh, remember, he was laser-focused on the mission that God had for him. He was laser-focused on, uh, on, on the cross, uh, dying for us and, and rising again, that when he was being tried before Pilate, there's a situation, Matthew records a situation where the religious leaders in Matthew 27, the religious leaders and various leaders were accusing Jesus of various things, bringing charges against him, and his response was nothing. He didn't respond. He remained silent. Um, and then the uh, Roman governor, Pilate, he questioned Jesus because he was surprised that Jesus wasn't responding, and he asked him, Jesus, you're not responding. And again, Jesus did not respond. And Pilate was absolutely just, he was shocked. He was shocked. Uh, Peter says this, to summarize what I just said, he says in 1 Peter 2, verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And you know, Jesus was able to take those insults because he knew where he came from. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew what his mission was. He knew that his identity was wrapped up in the Father. He saw the bigger picture, and he was able to endure insult and criticism and cursing 
because his, his, his identity in the, at the end of the day was wrapped up in the Father and, and the mission that God had for him. It didn't phase him. And so in a similar way, when insults and cursing comes our way, it's so important that in a similar way that we are grounded in our relationship with God and with what's right and what's true. And when insults come our way that have no merit to them, we can just deflect them because, again, our past, our present, our future, and our entire identity is wrapped up in who God says we are. It's wrapped up in our relationship with him. So... Uh, how do I keep it together in this crazy world? For, well, just two points for today. A reminder for us to choose diligence over distraction. Uh, be diligent with whatever it is that God has called you to. And also remember to be diligent in, your, in, in building a strong relationship with Jesus, with, with the Lord. Number two, in the midst of insults and criticism and crazy, remember how, how the fools and the wise person responds. The fool displays the wise delay. Be a person of wisdom and respond to the anger and the crazy in this world with gentleness and respect and graciousness and self-control and sometimes just say nothing at all. And I want to remind you of two challenges that I presented to you today. Number one, if you don't know what God is calling you to be diligent with, uh, tap someone on the shoulder, someone you love and respect, uh, another fellow Christian, another fellow believer, and just, just spend some time with them this week praying with them uh, what God might be putting on your heart, what he might be stirring on your heart, what he might want you to be diligent with. And the second thing is, please remember, um, uh, we're living in crazy times where people are feeling isolated and they are isolating themselves. Consider how you can reach out and do, not do the Christian life alone uh, with yourself or even within your own family. Uh, see how you can reach out to another body, a believer in the body of Christ, whether it's attending a small group, a home church, or coming to actual church building, or maybe even doing a Zoom small group or something. Uh, consider how you can take that next step and connect with someone. Let me pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you love us. And because you loved us, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Uh, Father, we uh, thank you that your son, Jesus, when he, when he was on earth, that he was not distracted by even good things like becoming the king of Israel, but he stayed true to the mission that you called him to. And Jesus, we, we thank you for that sacrifice that you made for us. Help us to follow your example, to be diligent in the things that you called us to. We also thank, we also thank you, Lord, and, and just, just praise you for just all the people that... Uh, we, we have uh, who are connected to our church, but we also, you know, acknowledge that there might be some people out there who are lonely and in need of company and need of a friend, uh, in need of connection and in need of encouragement. And so we pray, Lord, that you would find our people to think of creative ways to connect with each other in the midst of this crisis so that they can grow in their walk with you. Thank you for blessing us and thank you for being with, and every, being with us in every moment of our lives. Amen.